All right, all right, all right. Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Stay on target. Maximum freedom. Read Rothbard. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to the Actual Anarchy Podcast. Podcast we're talking about movies from a Rothbardian anarcho-capitalist perspective. Tonight we might be a little bit rusty because we got a couple of shows done early. Due to the holidays, so happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We hope you had a good time with your friends and family. Uh, and we are kicking off that dust with our friend Shaheen from Australia to talk about The Killing Joke and hopefully sneaking in some conversation about Joker because Shaheen was originally going to be our guest for Joker. Then he fell ill, and we had uh, Scott M. admirably fill in for you, Shaheen. Uh, and it was a really good discussion, but we do want to kind of blend in with this movie, your take on that movie, because uh, you are our Batman DC Universe guy. So thank you for being a friend and coming back to join us for this episode on Batman The Killing Joke, the animated feature. And this is episode 158 of the Actual Anarchy podcast. You can find that show notes more at actualanarchy.com slash 158. Uh, but before we get into the last night's portion of the show and introduce you proper, I'm going to say a little Robert, who is breaking all sorts of sales records day by day with his new business venture. He's sporting the black and gold on his signage. We talked about the signage uh, in one of the pre-shows a couple of weeks ago, where apparently uh, doing it yourself ends up becoming more expensive and less durable. Maybe the quality is a little bit less uh, precise, a little bit suspect. That's why you, sometimes you got to take advantage of the division of labor and specialization and get somebody who really knows what they're doing. But it's a learning experience, right, Robert? And and you're still using those signs. They're working pretty well for you. Uh, and apparently, I mean, you're bringing in all these uh, sales records. So congratulations. What do you want to talk about it for just a moment here before we get into the last night's portion of the show? Yeah. Do you want to give me like an award or something for how good of a job I'm doing and how awesome my signs work? Uh, well, I mean, I did send you a GIF on the old Facebook page with Buddy the Elf saying you did it, like world's best cup of coffee, that scene. Is is that what you're alluding to? Or am I like being obtuse and totally missing out on <laughs> what you're talking about? No, that, that satisfies me. I appreciate that. Um, no, we're, we're, we're bringing a unique thing to this area. And I think the, the people are really responding. They really appreciate the service that we're providing for people. And, uh, yeah, as a result, we're, we're blowing up. We, we need to hire a bunch of people to satisfy the demand. And, uh, yeah, things are looking very positively for us. So yeah, thank you for noticing that. I noticed you came along and did some sort of mass liking. I don't know if you had like a spam bot or something, but all of a sudden I get this like 56 notifications on my phone. And it's all from Daniel because he's liked every single last little thing we ever did. So thank you for that, sir. Well, you're welcome. And uh, that was uh, a manual labor of love. I did each of those likes with my physical finger touching a magic 
computer that holds all the knowledge in the world in the palm of my hand. Thank you, capitalism. But speaking of that, totally unrelated to that, let's move on to the last year's portion of the show because we only have our guest, Shaheen, for uh, a very brief period of time here. So we want to make the most of it on the last nighters portion of the show. Sounds great, buddy. Hey everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Johnson. The Last Nighters and The Last Nighters can be found on Launchpad Media, where they're always launching new ideas in your direction. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. This is episode 101 of the show. We're finally at triple digits for The Last Nighters. And uh, tonight we're going to be doing The Killing Joke. It's a Batman film. And of course, we can't be talking Batman without our man from Down Under. He loves to talk Batman, DC Universe, and release the Snyder Cut. It's Shaheen from Adelaide. How you doing, Shaheen? Thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, really interested in your take hey. on this one and also Joker, which was uh, a show that you were to be on back in uh, October. Uh, that would have been um, episode 94 of the show. We did it anyway, despite your illness uh, with our friend Scott, and uh, he filled in pretty well. But we want your take on that one as well. So we're going to do a little bit of a twofer, try to cram it in this very limited amount of time that we have with you tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks. I'm happy to be on again. Yeah. So if people don't uh, know of you already, just maybe a little brief, like who you are, what you do, uh, that kind of a thing. And, and then we'll get into this with the Google description and uh, have a conversation. All right. All good. So I'm an ANCAP student. I do engineering and I live all the way down in Adelaide, Australia. And I'm a big Batman and DC Comics fan. Yeah. Released the Snyder Cut. That's all relevant information. Yeah, and I actually sent you a, a story I saw today. Um, Snyder apparently teased that he actually had oh, yeah. the Snyder cut, like, oh, that, yeah. it, that it exists. And so there's, a, I guess, building momentum to try to get Warner to release the, you know, however many millions of dollars it would take to take the CGI and actually make it, you know, fully completed. Um, but uh, people it's, are excited it's more about or less done. Yeah, and now what... Real briefly, what is the point of the Snyder Cut? Why are people clamoring for it? Because when you watch Justice League, and you were on our terrible. Our, our our episode of that, um, gosh, when was yeah. it? It was a, quite a while ago. And and there were actually two cuts of it. Um, it was episode uh, 81 of the show here. Um, and I watched the theatrical, and it made no sense. Then I watched the Ultimate Edition or whatever it is, and it made a little bit more sense. But there's still a uh, lot of gaps. That that was that was Batman v Superman that has two cuts. Justice League just had the one cut, which was just a, just the theatrical. And the reason we want the Snyder cut is because it's a whole different movie. Or a lot of it's not just uh, a few extra scenes. It's a whole different like story, different tones, more characters, bigger storylines, bigger B plots, more development. It's just a completely different take. And pretty much a different movie. Three and a half hours long as well, not just two hours. Okay, right, right, yeah. See, this is why we have you here to correct me because uh, we did have you on for Batman v Superman, and that was episode seventy-eight, and then we had you on for Justice League, which was eighty-one. So, yes, it's all coming back to me now. So, uh, anyway, why don't we um, kick this thing off again? Episode one hundred and one of the show. Show, show notes are more at lastnighters.com/slash one hundred and one. And also, just wanted to mention that we are now going to be implementing a streaming. Um, our Patreon supporters at lastnighter.com slash Patreon have had access to live streaming for quite a while, and we're considering toying with the idea of 
breaking that out to the general populace uh, using a service called StreamYard, which uh, we will have an affiliate link for that at lastnighter.com slash the yard. If you want to check that out, it's uh, it's a really cool service. We're still learning the ins and outs of it, but um, it's got some really powerful and intuitive, easy to use features that are going to come in handy going forward. Uh, but let's go ahead with the Google description. It's very brief. Uh, Batman, The Killing Joke, came out in 2016, drama slash crime film, one hour, 26 minutes, 6.4 on IMDb, 40% Rotten Tomatoes, and 84% of Google users liked it. Batman, voiced by Kevin Conroy, must save Commissioner Gordon, played by Ray Wise, from the Joker's twisted quest to drive him insane. This is the uh, final turn of Mark Hamill playing the Joker. Uh, He had said that it was uh, really hard on his voice uh, to be doing the Joker voice, and the only reason he would come back would be to do the killing joke. So then they did the killing joke, and uh, as we'll discuss, it kind of turned out a little bit uh, less than the expectations, I think, were. Uh, came out July 25th, 2016. Director Sam Liu. Not sure if I'm saying that right. A box office of $4.4 million and a budget of $3.5 million. We'll go to Robert for your take on the uh, opening here, and then we'll go to our guest. Well, there's not a whole lot there to talk about other than just the production of it, I suppose. Did you? Was there ever really a description of the actual plot? Uh, no, I mean, really the oh. the killing joke graphic novel is really about the joker trying to get gordon to turn insane like take a sane man and turn him insane to show i guess that like anyone can have one bad day and that's all it takes like the one little push that uh, heath ledger's joker kind of talked about in uh dark knight yeah it's very much the dark knight well i mean killing joke was first but um i don't know why but it it watching it again I felt like I had seen it before, but I hadn't seen the first half of it. So maybe Shaheen could tell me, has this been done before? And if so, in what format? Was it an animated series TV show or something? Because I definitely had seen it before. I remember Gordon. This whole thing is is based on a graphic novel by by the same name, The Killing Joke. I think by Alan Moore. Don't don't quote me. Um, That's right. Yeah, pretty much the same. The same story happens, except the whole beginning, the the first half an hour. Like it starts from the part where Batman goes to Arkham Asylum to talk to the Joker, and the whole sex with Batgirl and everything. That was all just that was new and made for this um for this uh, feature. Right, but was there was this in itself a remake, or is this something that I had actually just seen before? It might have just been something you've seen before. This I think this is the first time they made uh, the Killing Joke. Like as an animated movie. Okay. Well, I found myself <clears throat> very, very familiar with what was happening. Like, I don't remember if I had read the comic multiple times, but after the first half or when it switches over to be the killing joke, I was just like, oh, yeah, well, I've seen this before. This is the killing joke. But the first half was all new to me. Um, and that's what kind of threw me off. Like, as a whole, this, this movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It seems like it's a two different movies or two short stories crammed together. The one didn't have yeah. anything to do with the other. I mean, maybe someone can enlighten me as to what the first half had to do with the second half. But I, I can I, I can know, take man. The, I can take that a little bit, Robert. Um, in in reading up on this, they wanted to establish uh, Gordon's daughter a little bit more so that the threat to her 
is more meaningful. Like, so we get to know her a little bit. And the directors or the producers of, of this felt that the killing joke itself, the story itself wasn't quite long enough, didn't quite have enough meat to be a full feature. So they tacked on the front end to make Gordon's daughter be become more important to the story. But it does feel very shoehorned in, very ham-fisted way of going about it. And uh, I think I sent you this meme a while ago, Shaheen, where uh, it was like Netflix is trying to put any, you know, unnecessarily gay characters in, in the oh, show yeah. for whatever reason. That kind of felt that way with her friend in the library. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's I, funny, I, but, I, I didn't. I didn't mind it. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm happy with it, but yeah, it, it does feel true honed in representation. Yeah. Now I, in watching this, I was like, okay, I can appreciate giving a little bit of background on her as a character and her being Batgirl. That's kind of interesting, but the whole, um, hooking up with Batman, that was weird because mm-hmm. it seems that he was in more of Age a different, yeah, like a father, surrogate father mentoring relationship with her, or maybe a professor yoga student. A yoga teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now, the thing is, with Batman and Batgirl having a relationship, have you seen the old animated uh, TV shows, like Batman Beyond and, and all that? Have you heard of those? Uh, I have. I've, I've watched the old animated series, that whole run. Yeah. I haven't seen everything yeah. on Batman Beyond, but... The first one I have in the old, yeah, in the old animated series, and like in that universe, it was established that Batman and Batgirl did date at some point. I think this just kind of plays on that and kind of creates a new story inspired by that. Yeah. Okay. I what? Okay. Well, narratively, okay, I understand the point of increasing the audience's appreciation Attachment. for Barbara and her character. And then caring about her when she gets shot. But the movie goes from being about this mobster Paris France guy to then all of a sudden being about the Joker. And it just feels like, how does it not feel like two different stories to you? It is two different stories, Eric. And, and yeah, like thing is like right. with comic books, like like I'm a bit of a geek. So, so with comics, sometimes like a, a story's finished and then immediately you jump into a new story. So this really felt like a comic book come to life or come to animation more so than than an actual movie like it didn't have one overarching plot but it had two um shorter stories which kind of have some connection then they come together that's how i see it if they had played that up i would have been more on board I think. yeah if if paris france had maybe been like a henchman of joker or something or somehow related i i feel like they could have built a, a sturdier bridge to connect the two stories it's definitely true and then I'm not going to be defending that. Don't worry. Yeah. And then the, um, you know, the whole point of Joker, I guess, going after Gordon, just in the, the killing joke proper, it seemed like there was more there to work with that they just didn't use. Like, yeah, they've got Gordon on the roller coaster and they're playing the imagery, trying to drive him crazy, but it didn't seem to be effective. And I guess I just didn't really feel the danger he was in or the risk or the costs that, you know, he was facing or the struggle he had to maintain his sanity. Like I felt like it just kind of things happened to him. And then Batman shows up and Joker's like, Hey, I turned your buddy crazy. And like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Okay. Well, all right. There's your movie. (laughs) 
I think this is a case of where the comic does it better. Is I, I have read the the comic a while back. I haven't read it recently, but yeah, I think from what I remember, the comic does feel a lot more whole. Like this kind of felt like it happened way too quick. Like one second he's in the car seeing pictures of Barbara, and then immediately he oh I want it done by the book. Whereas in the comic, it kind of feels like he's going through a lot more, and then he kind of has to like pull himself up and be like, no, I'm not going crazy. Certainly, it felt more dramatic in the comic than it did here. Yeah, because I didn't feel any tension with it because the the reveal was so quick, you know, and there was no question. Like, really, there was there wasn't even time to question. Like, oh, did it work? You know? No, I, I just have to agree with you guys. It was way too quick. There was no tension. There was never even a moment where Gordon acted a, li- a little bit crazy. It was just like he was being tortured, and then Joker thinks that torturing somebody can turn them crazy. I mean, I agree. When has Joker ever been that character? I I don't know. I mean, he does it in Dark Knight, but it's handled so much better in that. Yeah, I think in, it's just a difference of live action versus animation. More effort and better storytelling is just for the movies compared to animation. Yeah. Now we do get a more a bit more of Joker's origin though in this one, which is kind of interesting and. and they referenced this in Joker a little bit with him being a stand-up comedian, a failed stand-up comedian. And, and here's the thing. Um, Joker, like in the comics, like in the DC canon, like no, not the movie Joker, but in general in the DC universe, he doesn't actually have a confirmed past. Like we, we have no idea how he became Joker or why. And the, this is one of the many possible reasons. And he even says in the movie that if he is to have a... Uh, if he is to have a history, he prefers it to be multiple choice. So this is one way that he might remember it, or it might be how it actually happened, but we'll, it's, n- it's not confirmation. Right, because he's an unreliable narrator in, in the story of exactly, Joker yeah. across all platforms, right? And so yeah. like even in Ledger's performance, he gives different reasons for yeah. why he has the scars. The, the only, the only um, incarnations of Joker where we have a definite history is in the old 1989 movie. And in the Joker movie this year. They're, and they're, they're like different versions. They're not like straight out of the comics versions. Whereas Heath Ledger's and Jared Leto's are, are, the, are the most comic accurate ones. Because they're like the Vats of Acid kind of a story? or Yeah. And we have no idea what happened to him before that. Or right. who he even was before that. I mean, I kind of think that it's kind of cool that... Well, it just kind of works out in their favor, I guess. They can be sloppy. <laughs> Because of the nature of the character, they can say, oh, well, he's crazy, he's schizophrenic. So you can have different origins and they could all be plausible. And he could think all of them are true at the same time or switch back and forth. And, you know, that's just the nature of of who Joker is as a character. And it's far more interesting that way. I mean, Wolverine in Marvel Comics for the longest time didn't have an origin story. And I think some fans wanted one, but a lot of other fans didn't want one for that exact reason. Like they didn't want some canon answer it to ruins the mystery. say what the origin was because it makes the character less interesting. I like the idea that we don't really know what his origin story is. It could be this, it could be that. You leave it up to the character, you know, the, the audience's imagination to what could have driven this guy to do such things and to be this person now. Right. So it's and far more interesting. I think that was kind of the point that Todd Phillips had made in some of his comments about when he was making Joker is that it doesn't necessarily need to become canon and it can be a standalone film because you have this myriad of different 
possible origin. So he's just adding another another angle to it or another you know possibility to the pot of possibilities. Sure. Yeah. And I exactly. like the idea that he's an un, unreliable narrator in all of them, especially in the new in the latest Joker movie. You just we don't know exactly what's real and what's not real, and that's that's part of the fun. Yeah, that's one I need to watch again um, because you know we I saw it in the theater and then we did the episode on it and I you know viewed it one <laughs> one way and then I've since seen other people's interpretations and now I'm like interested to watch it again and I think I mentioned during our episode that I viewed it a little bit in the way of like The Shining where the music was a bit of a character but also there's like um, little things to uh, that you don't notice the first time or two through that you can then notice the next time you watch it that makes it reveal a little bit more of the film to you and it can have slightly different meanings uh so i'm i'm actually interested in, in watching that again when it comes out on the uh the home viewing platforms it should be in early january i reckon so a month away so shaheen what did you think of the joker or just joker oh i i, I liked it i thought it was pretty good bland it's pretty good. Over, but yeah like a near masterpiece Oh, depending on which angle you come from, yeah, I reckon as like a drama movie, yeah, it would be it would be a masterpiece. But it's just my personal criteria for a movie. Like I like it being very long and also a lot of action. So like a Zack Snyder film, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, this was for for a non Zack Snyder movie, it was a masterpiece. Yeah, I, I'd say that. I thought okay. self contained. It 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 stands on its own merits. Like it could have been a story not about Joker. And it still would have been good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we already have that. It's called, it's called Taxi Driver. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, King of Comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, our buddy Mike C, who we're going to be having on for a uh, one of the Christmas movies coming up here, uh, he said that it, Joker is like the third in the trilogy, the third installment of Taxi Driver, the King of Comedy, and Joker. All starring De Niro, who's now like a crybaby leftist, but still, he he had some great movies. What are you talking about, Daniel? De Niro is a brave, brave man. I think he said fuck Trump on TV. Just very brave. So brave. So brave. Stunning. Stunning and brave. Uh, poor bastard. He can act, though. Or at least he could. I don't know about you either so die much. a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, exactly. So so any more on uh, your take of Joker, Shaheen? Because we, we had, you know, envisioned you being on for an entire episode. So I, I imagine you got something... Some powder that's still dry there. Joker. It's been kind of a while since I saw it. Saw it on opening night. Um, all right, what's my take? So, what I wish would have been the case for Joker is if it was in the DC, in the main DC extended universe, and Joaquin dies at the end. It's kind of how I wanted what I wanted to happen. So he's in the he's in the main DC universe. The whole thing happens. The whole near revolution thing. Thomas Wayne running for mayor. And then he dies at the end and inspires this group of Jokers, this Joker gang. And then one of those Jokers, inspired by uh, Joaquin's Joker, by Arthur Fleck, goes and kills Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. And that's the beginning of Batman v Superman. Like it, that, that takes place like a week after Joker does. And then you have this Joker gang for like 20 years. And there's this one guy, this one Joker, who's outdoing them all. And he kills all the other Jokers, so he's the only one standing. And he becomes a Jared Leto Joker. That's kind of what I really wished it would have happened. Okay, yeah. And then you could even tie in the Ledger one because in the opening scene, the bank heist, they're all dressed in masks. And then he eliminates, spoilers everyone, for a movie that's like 12 years old now, uh, all the other uh, all the other henchmen. 
all the other yeah, it would be a good easter egg to that as well yeah now but they in joker they actually showed the clutching a of different. the marbles in the, <laughs> the wayne murder again it was just some random guy it wasn't even like a joker mask guy was it if, if i recall oh yeah 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 it was pretty sure it was okay we're all we're all fuzzy on this one a little bit yeah it's a bit late well with um back to the killing joke a little bit when commissioner gordon tells batman hey you got to see this and they bring him to this storage room and he's got the other detective the fat one who's you know had a bullet bullet yeah donut fetish that guy um they show all these guys sitting in chairs with deranged hysterical laughs like frozen on their on their faces as they're dead and i thought mm-hmm. that was going to be an opportunity to reveal or have this mystery of what could have killed them in this state and is this some new like dangerous thing that joker has concocted that can be like a, an imminent risk or a threat to everyone in gotham um because he does do it to the guy who he he buys or leases the carnival from but it's not yeah. as if that's at risk of like harming everyone you know it's like just used in very isolated incidents and i thought that it would have been nice if if like say in joker the movie he gets on tv and kills murray well if mm-hmm. if he had the capacity to have this weapon sort of like um which one was it that had scarecrow with the gas they were going to release in the sewers was that dark knight that's, that's batman no that's batman begins batman actually Be- this is this is very similar to the plot like him going on tv and then trying to use this poison joker gas on um on all of gotham i think that's very similar to the plot of batman 89 have you seen that with michael keaton it's been sure. a little, I saw it like in '89. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's the Jack Nicholson one. Yeah, there's also a an animated series episode where Joker releases like this laughing gas in the city, and he goes around robbing the place, but everybody's just laughing until they die, then turn into crazy people. Well, they yeah. die with a smile on their mouth. So I, I I see what you're saying though, Daniel, with the um the kind of setup and then not payoff. I think it's all part of this whole smashing together two stories. There isn't a coherent narrative that kind of runs through the whole thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, like why show us those people who have been affected by this thing? If that thing is not going to be a, a threat later that, that needs to be defeated or diffused or prevented. I guess in, in the comics, it, it make it made more sense because that's just Joker's way of killing everyone in the comics. When you walk somewhere and you see they've been affected by a chemical, like the, the, the Joker gas, that's kind of how he usually like goes about killing people. Like that's his calling card. So it would have in the comics, it kind of makes more sense because you just see, oh, okay, so now we know Joker's on the loose and he's back to killing. Whereas here, it kind of since it's very standalone, kind of seems feels like it's a setup, whereas actually not meant to be one. Right. Okay. Uh, that's that's my take. Now, now remind me because it's it's been a, like a month or two since I've watched this, but they show the origin of Joker. But then when mm-hmm. Batman confronts him, they've been arch enemies for a while. So it, there is a gap of time, right? It's not like this is our first interaction between Batman and Joker. No, no. no. yeah. Okay. And we, we do, the... we did have the, uh, we had you on for um, Dark Knight Returns uh, a couple of months mm-hmm. back. I'll put that on our show notes page at lastnight.com slash 101 as well. Um, and that's where Joker finally gets killed or dies. Uh, the final confrontation with Batman. And that might be what you were thinking of, Robert, because that is also in a funhouse type situation 
Um, they're on that like love canal. No, no? I, I understand what you're talking about. And that's also very similar, but no, I have, there's also there. I've seen the, the whole fun carnival with, with, um, Oh, the midget and the fat lady and Gordon, Gordon being trussed up and tried to be crazy and that sort of thing. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I've seen this movie before. Maybe I saw it in 2016 and I don't think I saw it. You know what you might've had when I would have gotten to see it. You might've had a situation where it was on at a place you were at and you caught it partway through, or you had some benevolent overseer who was like, Hey Robert, I want to show you this movie but I'm going to spare you the lame part and just show yeah, you the yeah, killing job. That's what's happening. <laughs> Someone is looking out for you. You had a little I, angel on your shoulder. Thank you, sir or madam <laughs> or non-binary, whatever. Yeah. Don't assume the gender. Seriously. <laughs> hate speech. I know. <laughs> now, speaking of hate speech, um, Robert, I'm sure you got a rant in you about um, circus acts and freaks who are utilized in their talents Joker was providing them a place to showcase their abilities and earn money. Why don't you take it from there? And then I have a, f- a follow-up question once you rant for a moment on that. Well, I think this rant is far more appropriate for The Greatest Showman, which is a movie we should have done by now, but we haven't, where P.T. Barnum um, recently, I think, I mean, like in the past two years, he's really been shit on as like an exploiter of people as just like, he wasn't friends with Tom Thumb. He wasn't friends with Thumbelina or whoever, whoever, all these little, you know, circus performer people. He was an, a, a horrible capitalist exploiter who, you know, turned these freaks and made them into laughing stocks and that sort of thing. When in reality, as the movie suggests, he was the only one, A, giving him a job. They were entrepreneurs who could meet a unique market demand using their own unique physical characteristics, their own unique talents that nobody else could provide. They were actually making quite the living. And I bet you if you had asked them at the time, hey, do you feel like you're being exploited? I'm sure they would have said, are you kidding? You, can you, do you know what my life was like before this? It's really easy to have this great, beautiful, wonderful life, you know, that freedom has really tried to provide for you and then to look back at somebody else's life and feel you know protect them from whatever imagined oppression is affecting them it's a really privileged uh, argument and it seems like um, it's happening more and more these days that we're looking back through this woke lens and being offended for people that were never offended to begin with and are long since it's, dead and are long since dead and 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 looking back on good people and then now deciding that they were terrible people because oh my new found ideology tells me so and then and yeah and in this movie uh joker is using these unique people to um assault people um they're uh criminal gangster type people but they have unique talents i guess but they were in his employ uh, as part of the deal for taking over the establishment, like they were already there, right? Is that, is that, the, I don't, I'd be surprised if that was true. I thought that they were just his criminal gang that rolled with him. Oh, they just happened like to be he, like circus freaks and he, so then he bought a circus or a carnival. I, I mean, it's not clear, but 
from time to time in the animated series and other times, he has operated out of various fun houses and carnivals and defunct places. Um, Harley runs around with these two hyenas, and he oftentimes has various clowns and other weirdos. You know, clowns, they're weirdos. Other weirdos in his uh, gang. So I think it's just his natural habitat. But I, I maybe they were there already. And then he's just the new boss and he's telling them, go ahead and beat up people. And they're like, yeah, we like beating up people. Well, you're the boss. You know, you got to do it. Either, either way. People up, Daniel. It's capitalism. It's like he's a king and we're the serfs and we got to do what he says. Oh, I love that argument. <laughs> Get that one a lot. Um, but- the way I see it, either way, even if they were his gang or they, they came with the place, the fact that they're listening to the, him, this violent criminal, they're kind of, and they're, they're, they're doing violent acts against like Commissioner Gordon and Batman and all, that kind of violates them, doesn't it? They're kinda, that's kind of all you need to say they're violating the NAP. Well, yeah, I mean, they have self-ownership. They're making that decision to do that. Whether they were instructed or advised or ordered to do it or paid to do it, they still have self-ownership and can decide you know, they're responsible for their actions for, for what they're doing. Unless Joker's got a gun to that, which he may, very well may have. I mean, he's a crazy psychopath guy who might have like, um, you know, dead man switches on them or something, right? Like, if you don't do what I say, then this and this and this will happen to you no matter what happens to me. For sure. And I don't know if they specifically show it in any Joker movies, but it's easily conceivable that he could have manipulated various people and gotten dirt on various people and threatening all of these good people that are just trying to survive or whatever. But obviously we don't get that. Um, it's the movie isn't about that. Right. I don't have time to delve into all that. Well, so my follow-up question with the circus freaks, I can say that, right? That's not hate speech. Daniel, that is hate speech calling them that. <laughs> well, I guess. Well, Even my... though they self-identify as I think geeks are geeks are the ones that do body stuff, right? They're the oh. ones that poke needles through their nut tongues and stuff in in this movie. No, just in general. They call themselves geeks. I, I don't know. They man. like eat glass. And stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, what's your point? What's your question, Daniel? OK, boomers. Uh, my point is, is how anticlimactic, how no tension was involved in Batman defeating all of these myriad freaks. It was just like, well, that's almost always the case. Two or three in a row is like, bing, bang, boom, bada bing, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Batman defeats them all. No risk to him at all whatsoever. You never feel like he's even has a, a chance of losing. And so well, that's why I thought this was more like an episode of the animated series. I thought it probably worked better as a slightly more mature adult kind of episode because you're right. It's just Batman comes in. Beats everybody up. Maybe he does it in a slightly interesting way. Maybe not. But that's always the case with Batman when it comes to like just a fist fight. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like you, you, you don't want Batman to be at risk every single fight he gets in because he is meant to be like super big, um, tough guy with like a master of a hundred different, hundred different uh, martial arts. So he should be able to kick some ass. It's just the the big battles that are meant to get him and put him at risk. Plus, plus Batman's a Chad. These are all a bunch of beta males trying to take him on. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. These are the virgins. <laughs> Virgin circus freak. Just chat man. Bunch of incels. Get him out. <laughs> right. But but then back to, to Joker's plot. I mean, I didn't feel like there was anything at stake, really. 
Like it was over so quickly. Gordon was totally unaffected. Apparently Joker's plan was to bring in Batman, have him defeat his people because he knew it was going to happen and then make a show of Gordon have, having gone crazy. And and that is to do what? To show up Batman, to prove to him that, you know, to prove to Batman that um, Joker or anyone could go crazy. I mean, I guess I don't understand. Like, even if Joker had been successful, what's the fucking point? Well, and there's never even set up. Like the movie starts, like the, the actual killing joke starts. And Barbara asks him when when he's like shooting her and he starts taking her clothes off. And she's like, why are you doing this? And he says to prove a point. At that point, the audience has no idea what point he's talking about because we haven't been told. And there was at no point before it a scene where Batman and Joker are talking and Joker's like, you know what? I bet you I can turn a, a sane person crazy. It just takes a little push or whatever. And Batman's like, uh-uh, no, you can't. You totally can't. There's no scene like that. I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Did you know what he was talking about, Daniel? I did not know what he was talking about. And I wasn't sure, but it was implied that he raped her, right? After he paralyzed her? Yeah, and to what end? Just to use that as like leverage in torturing Gordon? I get yeah, make him crazy. But then it didn't work at all. So again, we're kind of left with, all right, well, so Batman defeated all the henchmen. Joker's plot failed completely. Gordon did not go crazy, still didn't want even vengeance. He still wanted to go buy the book, right? That was the whole thing. Like, I guess Joker was like, I can make him go crazy or so mad that he'll seek vengeance against me and go outside of the bounds of the law. <laughs> I laugh a little bit about that because... Well, yeah, if, we, we know who we are. Yeah, if we, if you've listened to this show for for a long enough time, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, we, what, what do you mean? We totally respect the law, don't we? Certain laws, yes, natural law. But um, but I guess even though you know Joker's plot completely failed, um, I still understand like what makes this a movie, what makes this a story worth telling. I mean, Shaheen, you're telling me the the graphic novel is far more foreboding like there was more like nuance to it and more hey he Gordon it, just, it feels like it feels like more of a thing is comics in general just feel there's a different feeling in comics and movies like the whole setup the the um the flow how quickly things happen and the climax it's all a bit different i don't know how to explain it but it's different and this movie makes more sense in comic form and a lot of people it's a lot of people's favorite comic book as well and but yeah, I, I get why it doesn't feel the best as a movie. All right. Well, I'll rephrase my question. What's the hook? What's the thing in the graphic novel version that people point to and say, that's what made it good? I think it's... I don't know if there is one. It, I, I, it's it's I, the I, same I, as the movie. It's just, but I just, it's just the same thing know. as... Yeah. There's a little cross I think it's the same as It's the same as Joker wanting to make Gordon crazy and make him abandon his principles because that's what Joker does. He just attacks you and kind of tries to destroy you from the inside. Kind of what he was trying to do to Batman in The Dark Knight as well, to make him break his one rule. So it's what he's trying to do to, to, to Gordon this time. And at the end, Gordon doesn't break. It's just it's just the delivery is a lot better in the graphic novel. It's pretty short too, I reckon. It's a quick read. If you want to give it a look and see uh, what you think, I do recommend it. Probably find it online for free. And this is one of those situations where I probably should have done that before doing this episode. <laughs> but uh, Robert, we'll go to you. I know you had something to say. Well, allow me, if you will, just a, a short little piece on 
why comic books can be better than movies. It's just like yeah, I'm already on board. Can be better than movies. Um, a lot of it, especially the 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 space in between panels, exists solely in the reader's mind. So the amount of time that passes, what's happening, what happens to your characters, what doesn't happen to your characters, what they're thinking, what they're doing, all that stuff happens in your brain in between panels, and that can definitely affect the pacing, the flow, the feel. I mean, you could you could read a page and then sit for an hour and think about what just happened. But in a movie, the pace is just zipping right along. You don't have time to sit there and think about anything. So in the same way that, yeah, novels can be better than movies, uh, comic books can also definitely be better than movies in that sense. And that's why, I, I mean, I can't specifically speak to the Killing Joke graphic novel versus this movie because I haven't read the Killing Joke graphic novel in a long time. But it just in general, um, they don't have, I mean, they also have unlimited budgets, you know, in the sense that they can just draw whatever they want. But yeah, it's just the nature of the medium that allows for uh, a lot of nuance to happen. And it's different for every every person. Anyway, that's it. All right. I think I think that's a good take. Um, now, I guess, I mean, we can we can sort of wind this down a little bit. But let's um, before we get into that on our Joker episode with Scott. That Shaheen, we had intended to have you on. We actually asked him what was his ranking of Jokers, like by who played them. And this being Mark Hamill's final performance of the animated version oh, of the okay. And we included um, Mark Hamill in our original take on this back when we did that episode. But do you have a ranking, including you know Cesar Romero and? Nicholson That's and a tough one. Ledger, all that. Do you do you have an or you know a, a Marshall Ooh. utility scale that you can share with us? You start at the bottom. Like who was the worst? That that might be an easy, an easy one. And we're uh, honestly, I, all right. I'm gonna be controversial again. Say I don't think Jared Letter's the worst one. That is controversial. He did, yeah, he did great for what he was for what he was given. Because keep in mind, the Suicide Squad movie was butchered. By the studio as well. This Warner Brothers studio, they just fuck everyone over. So um, I reckon the original, and like, I reckon he's the most comic accurate Joker we've got, especially compared to like the New 52 Joker, which is the series I'm reading right now. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a ranking. I don't think any of them are bad to be placed as like at the bottom. It's just tough. Well, I you have could, to think could, about this for a second. You could pretend that we're just doing pickup and it's a room full of sevens and above. So they're no one's terrible, but you got to do a preference okay. scale here, and and it's dynamic right. and it's it's spontaneous. It's on the spot. Right, I can I can dig that. Uh, okay. So the one I probably care the least for is Cesar Romero. It's just it's a classic, sure, but it's like really. And then probably Jack Nicholson. I mean, sure, I love him, and I think Batman '89 is a fantastic movie, but I don't know. I kind of. The others, I think, do it better. So how many? How many's left? There's... You got Hamill. You got Joaquin. You got. You mean Conroy? Oh, oh we were talking about Joker. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Hamill. Conroy's Batman. Yeah, Hamill, Phoenix, Leto, and Ledger. I'm just gonna put Ledger as number one. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, probably Joaquin is number two. Then honestly, I'd say it's a tie between Hamill and Leto. Really? Really? But, yeah. In terms of how much I like him, but if I had to pick one, I'd go with Hamill, only because there's just so much more content with Hamill 
compared to Leto. Although I think if they were given enough, uh, the same level of content, like a proper movie with Joker in it, proper Batman v Joker movie, then it might be Le- it might have been Leto on top. I actually really like Leto's Joker. Wow. Okay. All right, Robert, your rebuttal or your critique or your incredulous uh, uh, response. No, I just have a scoff. <laughs> no i mean for me ledger and phoenix are right up there at the top like they're bros bro fisting at the top hugging it out and then you've got hamill and then you've got nicholson and then you got romero and then you got leto i mean that i think that's just the natural list handed down to moses on the mountain That's why it's in the Bible. I don't understand the controversy. Yeah, well, um, you remember that that Shaheen is on the other side of the world, so the toilets were oh, upside the other, down, the other direction. Oh, yeah, no, you got to turn it the 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 stone tablet. You're reading it upside down, Shaheen. <laughs> well, I I did put uh, Ledger and Phoenix as one and two. So if I turn it upside down, then they'd be my the worst ones. I actually, for the most part, do agree. It's just. With Leto, if you watch Suicide Squad again, the seven minutes that he's in, the seven minutes the Joker has screen time, they're the highlights of the film. They're the best scenes of the movie, hands down. And like, and that's, I don't know if you remember, have you guys seen it? Have you guys seen Suicide Squad? The extended part. I blanked out for about an hour and a half, and I think it was on. <laughs> was that, that was the theatrical cut though, right? Robert. There was a bunch of muddy things going on, and every once in a while there'd be some color, and then I think that was suicide. There's another one I thought Sounds the trailer the trailer was really good for. The trailer was fabulous. It was timed to the music. It was great. Yeah, it, it, it got you hyped up to see it, and then and then it was a big uh, goose egg, a disappointment in, yeah. in the watch. The director for that, the 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 director for Suicide Squad has been. Uh, he said that like the whole movie was a bit different. And and they shot enough for a different movie as well. So after we get the Snyder cut, we're going to go for the Aya cut of Suicide Squad. I mean, I'm sure it's probably better. I just, there's a lot of problems with Suicide Squad that I don't know if a director's cut could fix. I mean, it's another giant energy beam going into the sky. It's a bunch of faceless enemies all totally being completely destroyable by the slightest whim of any of our heroes. I never said it'll be a masterpiece. It's just, <laughs> it'll be better and, and worth watching. Did you know that originally the the main bad guy for Suicide Squad was meant to be Steppenwolf? I did not know that. And, and the yeah, and the faceless things, they were meant to be the parademons. So it was actually meant to set up Justice League. That was going to be his initial attempt at an invasion. And the en- Enchantress, she was meant to be controlled by one of those mother boxes, not just some random old uh, South American thing. Well, that would have made a lot more sense and tied it into the universe better. Oh, so it wasn't the Crystal yeah. Skull from uh, Indiana Jones? No, no, it wasn't. No. <laughs> Fortunately. Yeah, so we, we actually need you, Shaheen, for when we're actually watching these movies to give us the the director's commentary. <laughs> I was like, all right, huh. this is meant to be this other thing that would have been awesome and set up this other thing and had some continuity and connected it all together. And uh, yeah. But unfortunately... All I can say is fuck IP and fuck Warner Brothers. That's... Seriously, all I can say at this point. Yeah. So, how long is Warner Brothers going to be holding like the DC Universe hostage? Is this is this done now, or since now that they? I think that. I think they they just perpetually have it until we we abolish um, 
IP and let Zack Snyder do his own thing, yeah, we're not gonna. Well, and with, with Joker crossing a billion dollars, I mean, it's now the most successful comic book movie, R-rated right? All right, not yeah. comic book rated movie. No, Endgame had like two billion or whatever. Okay, but I mean, it, it was a, a massive uh, overshot of the expectation. For, yeah, for an R-rated movie, I think it's the number one of all time. And also without China. All oh, right. really? Joker wasn't released in China? Yeah. Nope. Wow. Too controversial. Too many incels or something. Too hot to hold. Oh, speaking of yeah. China, I don't know if you guys saw this, but in the past week, I saw that there was footage of a guy being interrogated by the police for making social media comments, making fun of parking ticket officers or something like that, traffic cops. He was strapped sure. in England, or is that China? In China, and he was strapped in this Iron Maiden-style chair. Like it's iron bars, like holding him down in the seated position. His arms are trapped under this thing. And they're asking him, did you post this? What did you mean by this? Who else is in this group? It's like really scary shit. It's like just for even making a light, you know, making light of official, um, you know, police. The great party, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, that that's kind of that. It seems like where we're headed. I mean, we talked about this uh, when we had Miguel on for uh, Social Network, the Sesame credit system that they have over there. We see the things happening here are just lagging a few years behind what's happening there. Like, if you want to look into the future, my friends, look and see what's happening in social media in the UK and China now, because that's what's coming here. And by here, I mean, yeah. I mean, also Australia, Shaheen. It's probably worse. Yeah. I think it's. Yeah, I think I think Australia is a little bit worse, but we're it's definitely we're in the bullseye. Mm. I, see, I, I don't personally think it's going to get as bad as China, unless you get a whole like different government system, and you get a proper communist or some sort of dictatorship. Have you seen yeah, the Democratic candidates? Yeah, <laughs> I mean like general population. It's supposedly not a communist regime, and it's almost as bad as China. I mean, I don't know if they're using the Iron Maiden to torture the the wrong thinkers. But they've had thousands of people arrested for social media posts. Wait, wait, UK? Yeah. Yeah, and for having knives, even butter knives. Oh, yeah. You got a permit for that knife. Got a license for that license? (laughs) All right, all right. We're getting getting off track. And I know, Shane, you don't have a whole lot of time left. Um, So why don't we get into uh, Final Summer and Review, and then uh, we can maybe squeeze in a little bit of Kathleen Turner Overdrive after that before you got to go. And that is available for our Patreon supporters. You can hit us up at lastnighter.com slash Patreon, everyone, to get uh, access to our pre-show, post-show content, and even the live show, live stream action uh, that we might actually make available for everyone, possibly after the new year with this new system we've got in place, which if you want a piece of this, go to lastnighter.com slash the yard, and uh, you can try out this uh, StreamYard system. Pretty dope stuff. Anyway, let's get into final summer interview unless... Um, Anyone has any final things they want to bring up related to Killing Joke or Joker, the Joaquin version? All right. And sold. I'll go to Robert first for final summary and review time. Uh, one through 10, decimal point deep and uh, and go. I thought this film was enjoyable. I like all my animated series stuff. I like generally enjoy DC comic animated pieces. But as a movie, as a coherent whole, it's a mess. It's a narrative mess. Uh, I, I don't know who the main character is. It seems to be Barbara, but maybe it's Batman, but maybe it's the Joker it, it, at different times. It's a different main character. Could be Gordon. Maybe. 
Um, maybe it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then the, the whole, the way the whole, it's two stories crammed together, which would have been okay if they really would have leaned into, Hey, this is two separate stories, kind of like the way Sin City did it. So there's like a title card and then it moves on to the next story. Like this is two stories in the same universe that are kind of related. I, I, I would have been more on board with that, but instead it was just kind of two story, two totally different stories that don't reference each other that are back to back. And they're in the same movie. And it just felt really, really awkward that way because the first half is about this thing and then the second half is about this other thing. And it's, I understand we're trying to get more into knowing these characters, but, and it, and it succeeds in that respect. I think it does. I think it, when Barbara is killed by the Joker, it would make more sense if she was shot by Paris Franz, but because I just don't know. It's just a big fat mess for me. I don't know why they did it this way. Um, I think it fails. I think if you if you just want to do the killing joke, you you just do the killing joke, and maybe you leave it as a half hour show. I don't know, but for me, this is like a six and a half. This is not very good. It's like average, or maybe even bad. Maybe I should go lower and go like a six or a five and a half. I, as much as I love Hamill's performance as the Joker and Conroy as Batman. The, the the story is just it's just a mess for me so i can't really recommend it um there are better movies out there that do the same type of thing i thought the, the dark knight is a similar story of the joker trying to turn someone crazy to prove a point and it's done way way better so go watch the dark knight again and skip this that's what i would say it's a five and a half all right, you've been working. You're whittling it down, six and a half to a six to a five and a half. Uh, Sheen, can you take us any lower? Uh, I reckon that sounds about right, like a six, six point five. Um, as a movie, yeah, it would be about a six point five because yeah, it's just incoherent. But if it was two different, like if you think of it as two different comics or like comic book come to life animations, or just like episodes of different, like uh, each of them is a different episode of a show. I think then you can you can rate it higher if, it, if they were like individual episodes and not as a movie. And like the whole thing with Barbara and why it's about Barbara in the first um, episode, I mean, that's to set up like how Batman feels about her and what it's like to lose her and have her be shot and be paralyzed, which kind of is the main focus because she becomes Oracle and becomes, you know, a wheelchair. Uh, we've been become stuck on a wheelchair after this in the comic. So this is a quite vital point in her story. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so popular as well. But yeah, I reckon the comic book's better. So as a movie, I'll give it a 6.5. But as individual episodes, I'll give episode one like a 7. And episode two, which would be the whole killing joke come to life, probably in a 9, if they were episodes. Wow. Wow. That, that's a bold, that's some bold praise. Well, well, seeing it, considering if it's, if it's being seen and, as an animated uh, universe kind of episode, not as a movie. Too okay. anticlimactic to be a movie, in my opinion. And kind of like linking up other canon, because you mentioned mm -hmm. Oracle, so you got origin of her, you got origin, or one variation of origin on Joker, you've got some continuity, some connections between this and other pieces. So in that realm, it kind of works well for you, but as standalone, not so great. Yeah, and I guess some of the uh, pacing could have been done a bit better. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll launch into mine a little bit. I was wholly disappointed in this because I saw so much potential. And I am not like 
super well versed in the verse, the DC extended universe. Um, I've, you know, seen Batman movies. I've seen some animated Batman. I've read some Batman comics, but not to the level of, of my cohorts here. But even with that limited experience, I just saw so many missed opportunities. It's like you're bringing on the field goal unit for a chip in and they go wide right. And I'm like, laces out, Lou, or whatever, whoever directed this. You had so many possibilities here that you could have investigated and dove into. I mean, in looking at the history of this, they said, well, we added on this Barbara Gordon bit, the Batgirl bit, because we didn't feel like there was enough story in the killing joke. But then they shortchanged the killing joke. They didn't really give us into the depths of the potential risks of psychosis for Gordon. We never get into, I mean, you, you had this opportunity to get in like you're an animation, right? So you can do kind of whatever you want. Let's get into Gordon's head. Let's see what's going on in there. Let's let's see him actually tormented by this and like at risk of actually going crazy. Let's make that like, you know, be a significant component of the film instead of just Batman shows up, defeats everyone. Joker's like, hey, I made your buddy crazy. Oh, didn't work. Anticlimactic. And then and then you get this joke at the end, which I mean, I kind of get that was kind of funny, but. You know, because they're like these arch nemeses who've been fighting each other for years. And in a way, they're they're talking about how they almost need each other. If I recall, they're like yin and yanging. And then they just end up laughing and then end roll credits. Um, but I just feel like there was so much more that could have happened in this. And a lot of the Barbara Gordon stuff, though, I appreciated having more of a reason to feel like get to know her and, and feel like how impacted um, Gordon would have been by her um, being paralyzed and raped by Joker to drive him crazy. I don't think that they needed to go as far as they did, especially with the whole Batman sex stuff and the yoga instructor stuff and the, you know, the gay librarian guy just felt unnecessary and kind of ham fisted in. So again, just missed opportunities. So I'm going to go with a four on this. I am, I'm a hater on this though. I do have praise for Conroy. I do have praise for uh, Hamill. I think of Hamill's voice when I think of the Joker as far as voice acting goes. And I don't know if that's just because of, you know, growing up watching the animated series and he was the consummate Joker until, um, until, you know, the, until Ledger came out. But uh, so that's where I'm at. I'm at a, I'm at a four on this. Does anyone have any rebuke to me? Is that too harsh? Uh, Shaheen, what do you think? Well, if you look at it as like, an episode of a show then yeah you can, you can be like yeah okay i can see it it's kind of like enjoyable if you see it that way but i guess if you go in expecting what you did then yeah four's fair enough depends how you're rating it the criteria for marking keep in mind as a movie i'd give it like a six so but as an episode i'd give it like an uh, probably an eight i'd say you know i do find or, that when i have high expectations are usually not met and and this goes yep not only for movies or things that people recommend, like, Oh, you got to see this show, this TV series or whatever. It's so good. And then I watch it. I'm like, eh, it was all right. Or, you know, you always, um, if you've never been to New York city, it's in, you know, 80% of movies apparently. Uh, and everything looks so big and, and, uh, you know, you get kind of familiar with it from, from watching it, seeing it so often in movies and TV shows. And then you go there and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's cool and all, but it's a little bit disappointing. Or like Disneyland or something like that. You're like, oh, I thought it would be bigger. Maybe I'm just doesn't a, match the hype. Yeah, maybe I'm just a natural pessimist. I guess. 
but uh anyway that, that's that's my take uh robert anything before we mention uh what we're going to be doing next week no um i just i I'm just yeah disappointed by this movie. I think you're right to be disappointed by it. I think you're right. I mean, in the age of all the mass content we have at our fingertips and the limited amount of time that we have to view it, I think that you got to be honest when something doesn't meet your expectations, so that maybe other people can go, oh, there's other better stuff I can, out there I can spend my time on. So thank you, sir. All right, and um, in honor of having our guest from down under. I've done a reversal with you, Robert. You're usually the hater of whatever we've watched. At least that's what I hear from our audience. They're like, yeah, why does Robert even do this show? He just hates movies. Um, I just want him to be better. (laughs) Well, next week, I've got a movie that no one can hate. And uh, we're going to have Rocky Ferenberg back. He was on with us for The Mule and um, Smallfoot, I want to say, about a year ago. I can hate it. But he's coming back. Not for claws. Be in color, movie. What are you doing? Your shit. Be in color. <laughs> well, here's the movie we're doing. This one will be Gremlins. What? We're doing Gremlins. It's a bit of a change up for you, Robert. I know you're expecting other films. So with Rocky, we're doing Gremlins. It's one of his favorite films. And in fact, he made a recent post saying that a lot of people say Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie ever. But he's going to say, no, Gremlins is even better. Now, we did Die Hard a couple of years ago. And I think, Shaheen, you were on with me. It was a Christmas movie, and I'll post that on our show notes yeah. because that was a lot of fun. Die Hard's a great movie, but that was great. Rocky, Rocky makes the claim that Gremlins is even better and more Christmassier. So that's what we're going to be doing next week uh, when you guys come back with us on that will be episode one hundred and two of the show. You're throwing me curveballs, Daniel. I thought we were doing something else. Okay. Well, the other something else that you're thinking of is probably going to be a week after that. Okay, that's more of a Christmas movie. Yeah, it was the Christmas season. The Christmas movie. And because, you know, because uh, Thanksgiving is so late this year, it was like the last possible day it can be. The holiday season, the shopping season, and the uh, amount of shows we can get in before Christmas is very, very limited. Like, there's just two more before Christmas after this. That's it. That's all we got. So Gremlins will be one of them. And then we're going to be going black and white style with Mike C from Canada. Another Commonwealth, Shaheen. Another one of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for It's a Wonderful Life. That's going to be our Christmas movie. Classic. The classic. So that's what we got coming up, guys, in the next uh, few weeks for you, Gremlins, and then It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, so we're going to wind this one down. You can find this on uh, lastnighters.com slash 101. Uh, Shaheen, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you again. And I hope you can stick around for just Thanks a few for minutes. my ramblings. Uh, we love your ramblings. That's why, <laughs> what we have you here for. Um, and then uh, you can also find this on the Launchpad Media where they're always launching new ideas and new directions. Check it out at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And uh, we're going to get into some Kathleen Turner Overdrive right after this. And uh, we'll say goodnight from last night, everyone. All right, we're going to continue the Actual Anarchy podcast for just another minute or two. Uh, we did the Joker listing, Shaheen. Now I want to hear your Ooh. Batman listing. Who oh, were the best, worst to best in portraying Batman? Okay, hold on. Let me see the options. There's Kevin Conroy, Michael Keaton. Okay, the worst is probably George Clooney, without surprise. Then Val Kilmer, 
Then I'd put Adam West. Although Adam West, I do consider good. I mean, Clooney and Kilmer are like like a two and a four, and Adam West is like the seven and above. Um, yeah, yeah, there's actually two other Batman actors in the old like 1943 and 1949 like black and white TV series. I haven't watched them. I don't know their names yet, but um, we can, we can just skip those for now. Um, I'd say it goes then then it'll be Michael Keaton. Then it would be Christian Bale, then Kevin Conroy, and then Ben Affleck. Affleck's my favorite one. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'm going <laughs> to disagree at your back end of this scale. I, I agree with all the front end stuff, but I'm going to put um, Bale at the top. He was my favorite Batman, that's, especially in Batman Begins. Um, Affleck, I just don't buy him as Batman. I'm sorry. I just I just don't. Really? He, well, so why? It's one of those things which is Ben Affleck as an actor. I just don't like him as an actor. He always seems so forced or wooden to me. And yeah, rewatch rewatch Justice League and tell me if Ben Affleck wants to be in that movie. <laughs> Keep in mind that movie is like 80% reshoots. He's like I'd rather be anywhere else. Well, I'm I'm talking even like in Goodwill Hunting or Anything else he's famous for? I mean, I haven't seen like his. I know these aren't recent, but like four or five years ago, he was in Argo and something else. The accountant, uh, he won awards for those. I haven't seen him, but even in Mallrats, I was like, I just, you know, he's the same in every movie, and I just, it it doesn't jive with me. And so I saw him as not a really great Batman. Val Kilmer also not a great Batman, though I love him. I love him in uh, as Mad Mardigan. I love him in. Heat, I love him in um, Tombstone. Tombstone in the Doors. Uh, Val Kilmer does great stuff, and I, I actually saw something recently, um, The Short Life or something like that. It's it's like a Life is Short. Life is Short mockumentary with, uh, uh, gosh, what's his name? He played uh, the Ewok. Wicket. Wicket. Um, he played Willow. Anyway, he's even funny in that where he's like making fun of himself, conning the. What is his name? Oh, I just had it. Yeah. Anyway, he 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 makes fun of like conning him into thinking they're going to make Willow too, just so he can get like Willow to raise like ten or twenty grand, just to buy him buy buy Val Kilmer like a weekend or two of just blowing money on fancy dinners and a fancy hotel. It's it's funny and hilarious. So anyway, that's my only quibble with with your ranking, uh, Robert. Any ranking quibbles? Uh, from your side, that would be different from mine or Shaheen's. Oh, yeah. For me, Conroy is number one. I mean, I know it's like kind of cheating to not take a live action actor as your number one because, you know, obviously Conroy, he can hide behind a microphone, never have to actually emote or do any of the physical stuff. But I thought I thought Bale was a perfectly good Bruce Wayne, but I didn't like his Batman voice. Um, never seemed like he wanted to be there. He just didn't seem to care or give a shit like he didn't he just didn't care i i, I want to say that my favorite batman's probably keaton and that's just because keaton even though he's like a, a little guy he doesn't have the physicality of batman but he brought something to the role beyond what was written on the page where affleck never does that for me he it's like he doesn't spend time in rehearsal he doesn't spend time like really bringing anything to the character that hasn't already been seen before. That isn't just saying the lines and standing on your mark. I, um, 
And then, of course, yeah, I can't agree with you more on the other stuff. Like, I thought maybe maybe Adam West would be a little bit higher just because of the campy nature. I mean, he he sold it. I mean, that is just still a fun show to watch. It really is. It, it really stands the test of time. Just how goofy and just how groundbreaking it was at the time. I mean, that was all revolutionary compared to what else was on at the time. But yeah, I, I'm going to cheat and say Conroy is my number one, followed probably by Bale, then West. Or no, no, sorry, Keaton, then Bale, then West. All right. And great. then, yeah, Kilmer and, you know, freaking the other guy. <laughs> fucking our guy was Clooney was easily the worst. I mean, he cared even less than Affleck. I mean, that was just ridiculous performance if you'd even call it that i think in affleck definitely cares more in bvs than justice league i thought i don't think really anyone cares all that much in justice league especially because the movie that we got is mainly reshoots i think like keep in mind the character that he's playing in um, bvs is the is the older angrier batman it's the first time we see batman is like late 40s early 50s being like kind of tired old angry i I just kind of really dig you know the the dark knight returns I think Affleck perfectly made like a combination of like comic book Batman and Dark Knight Returns Batman. I can see some of that. I can definitely see some of that. Um, he is better in Batman versus Superman. It's true. But to Daniel's point, I just don't really buy him in almost any role. <laughs> Maybe I'm anti-Affleck <laughs> just for the sake of being anti-Affleck, but he's never impressed me as an actor. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, I think he he does uh decent writing. Uh, he and uh, Matt Damon wrote, Goodwill Hunting and won an award for that, and I felt allegedly like that that had good dialogue in it. Sort of like um, the Aaron Sorkin movie we talked about, Social Network. You can kind of get into that the witty dialogue that is unrealistic, like that would never happen in real life, but it looks good when you present it in film. You know, it looks smart and winning and snappy, and I think that came from you know just kind of the era, and then Kevin Smith films, and and you saw in Gilmore Girls and things like that, and West Wing and and all that. Anyway. We're getting we're getting off topic here. We should wind this one down and finally get into the scaffolding turnover drive. Where I know Shaheen, you got to take off and actually go do something productive, provide value for others in exchange, mutually beneficial exchange, and all that. Yep. Uh, but thank you so much for for joining us for this episode, everyone. And Shaheen, thank you. This is episode one fifty eight. com slash one fifty eight. And uh, I keep cutting you off, Shaheen. So I'll give you however long you want to say something, and then we'll say good night. Uh, no, not too long at all. Just thanks for having me on. I'm always happy to be on. All right. Thanks again. And uh, we'll be sure to have you on uh, before you start classes again in the spring. Um, and thank you for your take. Do you have an notes. idea? Yeah. We can do the 1989 Keaton Batmans. He, he, he made two movies. So Batman 89 and Batman Returns in 92. And they're some of my favorite Batman movies. So I'd definitely be happy to have a crack at those. All right. I'll put it on the docket. Yeah, the Burton Batmans. They're a totally different take. They're dark and gritty. But uh, yeah, they have their uh, high points for sure. All right. Well, we'll be back in the spring with with those. And we'll be back next week for some Christmas-themed gremlins. And then uh, the week after that, it's A Wonderful Life. And uh, you're a wonderful audience. Thank you guys very much. Uh, We appreciate you. And uh, we wish you the best of holidays, Merry Christmas, and all that stuff. And we'll see you guys next week. Good night, everyone. Maximum freedom.
chipmunks. C-H-I-P-M-U-N-K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do, 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 do. days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com.